Today on Stick to Football, we have a killer show for you, Matt Mello and Connor. Today, we get to grade Mello's mock. The teacher gets taught. The grader gets graded. I'm looking forward to ripping apart baby brother's mock draft. You're turning into like a boxing announcer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I need to work <laughs> You're on it. Like Don King. Your hair's getting yep. taller. <laughs> right. Everybody gets a nickname. Yeah, I What's like happening? it. I like it. We do have a fun show, though. Darrington Evans running back from App State. Jordan Love, bury the lead here, quarterback from Utah State. So two awesome interviews at the end of Mello's mock draft today. But I have exciting news that I can finally announce. You've probably seen us hinting at some changes coming to Stick to Football. And, yeah, it's happening. Stick to Football live. Stick to Football becoming a show. We are basically television stars, gentlemen. Uh, coming very, very <laughs> soon. Yeah, my agent, please, someone. I don't have one. Uh, we should. We will be in live three times a week in the Bleacher Report app. I explained to my, to my dad this way today, our dad, who's 70. I was like, it's basically like a TV show on your phone, Pop. That's the uh-huh. the best way to describe it. Which is probably just blew his mind because he doesn't even know you can watch things on his phone yet. He, does, he probably has no idea what YouTube is. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. Obviously, we've been you know prepping for this for a while. We didn't want to release any news too early. But for all of you that like watching Stick to Football on YouTube, this is the premium version of it. Now you'll get things like graphics, uh, player highlights. It's going to be a full-scale show with us three leading the charge. So I know we're really excited for it. There will be some schedule changes, so just bear with us. If you're used to just waking up and pulling up, turning up the old iPhone, there might be some times where you have to wait a little bit, but it's going to be well worth it. It is going to be worth it. We are very excited. We've been doing some tests behind the scenes. It's going to be amazing. We have a great production team. So, yes, schedule change, but three times a week, you open that BR app, and you're going to see us live, not pre-recorded. All the mess-ups, even today when I couldn't say stick to football, they're going to be in the show. <laughs> Before we get to Mellow's Mock, which I'm like rubbing my hands together on YouTube. I'm <laughs> so ready why. to just tear this apart. There is uh, some news. There's a fight between Lee Steinberg and an anonymous NFL exec uh, because the former NFL exec has said that Tua is hiding injuries, air quotes, if you're watching us on YouTube. Uh, Lee Steinberg comes out and says, well, actually, hashtag, two doctors have cleared Tua. So, gentlemen, we've said, I think we've tried to toe the line on this show of, hey, we're a little skeptical of some of the information, but then they went to a third-party doctor and Tua got cleared. I've always worried more about how healthy is he in three years or five years, not how healthy is he right now. But uh, I like that Lee Steinberg's pushing back a little bit. And that it's Lee Steinberg doing it, too. I, I, I... I still think it's a bunch of he he said, she said stuff. I don't know who to trust. And I think that teams are kind of feeling the same way. I wouldn't be surprised if we see two have fall down the draft boards. I didn't do that in my mock draft that's coming up. But honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if teams like the Dolphins and the Chargers just say, I have no idea what's going on with that hip. I'm not going to touch it. I'll take a guy like Justin Herbert, or maybe I'll just wait till the second round and grab a guy like a Jalen Hurts. Yeah, I'm really curious to see how much smoke there is here, guys. Like, what is real? What is not? Is there going to be this, you know, draft day slide for Tua where we're all sitting there and we're like, wow, he really fell to the teens and somebody's going to roll the dice on him? Or is this just all BS and somebody's going to trade up to three for Tua? That's what I'm wondering. I think the ceiling is so high with Tua. I'm going to bet on the ladder that he's going to still go in the top six picks. But I think the build up to this, I don't want to make you know, fun drama out of a guy's injury. But I think it's definitely created some significant buzz and a complete stare down leading up to the first night of the draft. Absolutely is. And, you know, it it is lying season, a smokescreen season. I had one of the top agents who's not Lee Steinberg text me today and he said, I I think that Tua could slide. And this is a guy who doesn't have one of the other quarterbacks, so he's not saying it to get me to push his guy up. But there, I think there's a lot of smoke out there. So the Dolphins are either doing a great job of lying to everyone or this information that's coming out is credible. And I think that, again, this is what will happen versus what should. All of us have Tua as our number two quarterback. You guys are a little bit higher on him than I am, but none of us think he should fall in this draft. But we're just it's our job to tell you that this could be a possibility based on what we're hearing. Yeah, I, I think so, too. And I think that it is lion season, which kind of leads us into our, our next thing. 
that we have here. We're seeing a lot of these pro days come out, and I don't know about you guys, but I don't know if I'm buying it. Grant Delpit, no. virtual pro day, runs a 4.39 at well, about 212 pounds. And then a guy that I really liked out of Mississippi State, Cam Dancer, he ran a 4.38. I don't know if I'm buying these pro day times. I don't know if the NFL is either. I am definitely not buying these pro day times at all. Um, I appreciate that agents are filming them. And like with Grant Delpit, they did like that. There are four different angles. Grant Delpit maybe ran a 4.39. I think he's more of like a 4.45 guy. Uh, but Cam Dantzler ran a 4.64 at the Combine. And I do think he's faster than that. He's not 4.38. If he runs a 4.38, so do I. There's no way that that man runs a 4.38. And I like Cam Dantzler. Like you said, Mello. I put almost zero stock in these pro day videos. And that I are think coming the out. NFL is going to have the same thing. I mean, I, there are so many guys that you talk to or that you know are scouts or used to be scouts. They don't trust another colleague's time. Me and you could both be sitting here working for the 49ers right now, and you time him at four three eight, and I time him at four four one, and I'm not going to trust your time. I'm going to go with my time. That's my official time. That's what I'm going to report. So I don't think they're going to take the word of some video. I mean, our buddy Big Country, we saw him run a video (laughs) with it timed, timer Uh, being videoed the whole time. No one believed it. I I think the NFL is going to fall into the same boat. Yeah, I, I just don't. I'm not. I'm really not buying the Cam Dancer one, guys. Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't run in the four sixes at the combine and then run a four three eight at the pro, like the whatever we want to call these. I guess we'll call them pro day times. That's just not how this works. I think with Delpit, I do think he's a good athlete for his size. I don't think he's a four three nine guy, but yep. like Matt said. You know, you add a little bit. He looks like a four four five guy on film. Right. That's Grant Delpit getting to the spot is not the problem. Grant Delpit making the tackle when he gets to the spot <laughs> exactly. is the problem. With Cam Dantzler, though, yeah, I think long speed is a question. And I know we go back to saying, hey, this is the guy that, you know, held Jamar Chase in check. That he did. Yep. But I think long speed at the next level is the big question with Cam Dantzler. He's just not a four three eight guy. Nope, he is not. You know who is, though? Mello. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and easily. Oh, big country. Yeah, that was a beer chug time, 438. <laughs> oh, no. I, I don't think I could do that either. Small one. Give me one of those little I, eight ounces. You know what? I'm just not good at it. I don't chug beer. Uh, I can drink a lot of it. I can't drink oh, a lot right, of it okay. quickly. Yeah. Nope. Can't do it. All right. Mello, you are on the clock, though, buddy. This is your what you think will happen mock draft. Trades it, are allowed. And I, let me preface it with this. You guys have both done your mock drafts already this week. And we sit here and we talk to each other three times a week. We text back and forth. A lot of our opinions are the same. So this isn't exactly how I think the draft is going to work. But I did want to throw out a couple different scenarios. I liked the trades you guys did earlier this week. But I kind of wanted to put something different out and see how it goes. Starting here with number one. And you know what? Let's just roll into it number two. I think these are the two easiest picks in the draft. Joe Burrow goes number one to the Bengals. Chase Young to the Redskins. I think we can move on. Let's start here at number three, where I do have a trade happening. And I wanted to explore with the NFL draft here. What would it look like if the Dolphins did trade up? We already saw what would happen if the Chargers traded up. Now let's look at it with the Dolphins. I have the Dolphins getting... Uh, pick number five, giving up pick number five, 39 and 70. So that's a one, a two and a three to move up to the third pick with the Detroit Lions, where they are going to take the often injured quarterback to a tongue of Viola here at number three. I like it. I, I think that if they only had to give up 39 and 70, they should do backflips because, well, you know, that's about what the it's Jets only gave three up. Picks. That's about what the Jets gave up, I think, to move up to that spot. So it's, it's not far off, but um I like it. I think if Tua's their guy, I still don't think they have to do it is my only thing. Like I, The way the tea leaves read right now, you don't have to trade up to get a quarterback unless you're trading up to make sure no one else does it. Yeah, I'm a fan. I think this is a really good move. It's one for Miami where, you know, I, I think everybody's kind of brought the leverage down where there was a time where we sat here and go, man. Somebody might go to two to get to it. That's how panicked they might be. And it doesn't feel like that anymore. So for Miami, you're not giving up a ton in this spot, but you are getting your quarterback. And we say it week after week. I feel with injuries, I feel way better about Tua's pro career than Justin Herbert's. So I like the move. Yeah, Yeah, and I do think that maybe the Dolphins start to panic and start to come up to get somebody, but I don't think it is going to take very much with them only moving up a couple spots. Number four, the New York Giants. 
You're talking about tea leaves. Theirs have already been leaked. Isaiah Simmons, the pick here at number four. They have been leaked. They have been brewed. They have been sipped. I, I think I think we definitely see this pick happen. I feel good about it. I know, like, um, there's a little part of me that thinks if it's Tristan Wirfs two weeks from right now when the draft kicks off, if they take Tristan Wirfs here, I'm going to throw my hands up and go, well, there was like a I, there was like a 5% chance it was going to be him over Isaiah Simmons. So not ruling it out, but I, I do think it's Simmons is the guy. There's also this part of me that can see them taking Mackay back. <laughs> I really can't. Like, like Dave Gettleman's just like, I took the biggest, baddest MFR I could find. Right. I don't care what anyone thinks. And I will say this. Saquon Barkley running behind Mackay Becton is a pretty wild thought. So I'm not going to rule that one out either. Yeah, and I think with the Giants, too, it's who's making that pick? Is it Dave Gettleman? Does he have you know, 60% say and he's going to go get his guy? Because we know what his drafts look like. Or is it going to be your new coaching staff? Do they get a say? Because then I do think Isaiah Simmons could be the pick there. But it'll be interesting to see what they do. A lot of people reporting that it's going to be Simmons. So I roll with that one. Number five overall, this is the spot that the Giants trade, or sorry, the Lions traded back to they still get their guy in Jeff Akuda. I think that one fits very well. Number six overall is where this gets tricky because I don't want to take Justin Herbert here. And what would happen if they don't? So I have the Chargers taking the number one tackle in this class in Jedrick Wills. Oh, baby. I I think that they are comfortable enough with Tyrod Taylor. They're talking about bringing in Cam Newton. They're not talking about moving up for Tua. So what if they stay here and they say we're good with quarterback for a year and if all else fails? Maybe we get one in the second round. Maybe we can get a guy like a Jalen Hurts who fits that mold of Tyrod Taylor, Cam Newton. Who's Tyrod Taylor? You want a mobile quarterback? (laughs) Go get a younger one. Don't reach for a guy right here in Justin Herbert because you feel like you need a quarterback. You can get one and... You have a marquee left tackle now to protect that young quarterback. Jordan Love might be there at the top of the second round. Yeah, exactly. I like that, Mello. Yeah. I'm a big fan of this move. I want to be very clear. I think for the Chargers, you're sitting here. You got jumped for Tua. You need another tackle really badly. You get a great one. And listen, you know, put your money where your mouth is. If you haven't read it, you know, Ty Dunn had a great story on Tyrod Taylor this year. There are clearly people in that organization that believe in him. I think there's a lot of good pieces in that offense, and we know how damn good that defense looks on paper right now. God forbid the Chargers stay healthy. This would be one of the better teams, sneakily, one of the better teams in football in my eyes. Number seven, the Carolina Panthers. I have them taking Tristan Wirfs, too. I I think they could use an upgrade on the offensive line and Tristan Wirfs is an offensive lineman. He might be a right tackle, might be a left tackle, but he's a damn good offensive lineman. I think that this team can take him and start to piece together things for your offense. Help protect Christian McCaffrey. You want to get Teddy Bridgewater standing upright, keep everyone away from that knee, get the second best tackle in the class. So I agree they need to do this. I just don't think they will. I I honestly think if the board broke this way and you don't trade out, they might be the team that takes Derek Brown. Yeah, I feel that way as well. I really do. I think this is the ideal move. I would take Tristan Wirfs if I was the Panthers here. But I the buzz around Brown right now is picked back up, and we've been doing it with the Cardinals for a while, and I know their fan base is sick of it, and I'm sorry, guys. I really do believe in the Panthers potentially not even giving them the chance to take him because I think they've added some pieces to the offense in this offseason, but now in the draft, they could definitely look to that defense. I agree, and I did almost go with Derek Brown at number seven overall, but if he falls to eight, I think they sweep him right off the board. We get Derek Brown here at number eight. Number nine, a little bit of a curveball. Jaguars are sitting here with a lot of needs. There's also a quarterback on the board. I have them taking Justin Herbert. I think they're going to fall in love with Blaine Gabbert 2.0 all over again, and the Jaguars get their quarterback of the future. God, that is like that is his cruel. Like if he doesn't hit, if he doesn't hit, that's who he is. I yeah. So uh, this is another one. I could see this happening. I don't think it will. I I actually believe Jacksonville is going to be one of these teams that after the draft signs Cam Newton or Jameis Winston to be a a backup. Yeah, I think so too. I think Jacksonville here, a lot of directions they can go at nine. I don't think it'll be quarterback. I think you have to keep an eye on the receivers. I think you have to keep an eye on other corners. Now, obviously, Akuda should not make it here, but CJ Henderson, this might be his you know ceiling as a pick. And for Jacksonville, uh, there's just a lot of different directions they can go, but I don't think it'll be a quarterback. Here's the, Dave Gettleman, or Dave, Dave Gettleman, God, Dave Caldwell uh, is so good at keeping things close to his vest that 
Yes. When the year they right. took Blake Bortles, they had, they didn't even meet with him. So anything could happen. And that's why I think that well, even, yeah, it worked out so well. Even <laughs> if there are, you know, the Chargers take a quarterback, I think Jordan Love could be in play here at number nine for the Jaguars. Number 10 and number 11, I'll lump those two together because I think both these teams will target a tackle. I have the Browns taking Makai Becton and the Jets taking Andrew Thomas. I just don't trust this Browns front office. And I hope they prove me wrong because Andrew Barry's a really nice guy. Like, if they took Grant Delpit here, I wouldn't be like, I'm not going to oh, be surprised. Jesus right? God. It just feels like they're going to outthink themselves. I hope Jeremy not. Chin. Jeremy Chin, right? Or Ezra Cleveland. Like, ah, we need a tackle. Ooh. His last name's Cleveland. Ooh. And he's an athlete. Do you think- I'm starting to feel like he's going to go way higher than I had him. I'm projected. starting to feel like he's barely in my top 100, but you're right. He's probably going to get overdrafted. Oh, I could tell you right now. I think. I am. I have to be as low on him as anyone. When, three when for three this, on this yeah. show. Man. I, uh, I tackle him in the second 11. round. I just I don't know about that. <laughs> you see him in the what round? Second. No. I, and I feel like that was overdrafting. Now I think I've seen him in the first round. But number eleven. Let's talk about a good tackle. Andrew Thomas yes. going to the Jets. Connor, go I ahead. Mean, I, I, you know what? We talk about this pick since September. I love it. Uh, plug-and-play player in a year where teams will not have time to get these rookies ready. Good run blocker, good pass protector. Sure, he's not nearly as athletic as Wills or Werfs. That's okay. That's why you're picking at 11, not in the top five. So I love Andrew Thomas and think this is just a smart, safe pick. I like Andrew Thomas. I I do have some concerns about him. He's my number three tackle, so of course I like him. My concerns, I just don't know how good he is in space. Like I think he's really good in a phone booth, and maybe that'll be fine for the Jets. I do worry a little bit about him in space. And number 12 overall, we'll lump these two together too. The Raiders, it feels like they need a receiver. I'm going to have them take Henry Ruggs first overall. I know there's a lot of buzz, Matt, that you're reporting. CeeDee Lamb might be the pick here. I think when you get these guys in a room and you're debating about it and you're starting to panic, you're going to take the guy with the 4-2 speed, and that's Henry Ruggs. And then CeeDee Lamb comes off the board at number 13 overall to your San Francisco 49ers. I would rather have Jerry Judy. Um, I know I said on this show that uh, in this offense, I think CeeDee Lamb is a lot like Michael Thomas. I just, I really do think that Kyle Shanahan and I, I know we're, we have a little bit of a, uh, I don't even know what you would call it right do now. Do you guys have a beef? It's not a beef because a it's one-sided. They don't like me. Um, so I don't know what you call that. I like him. I don't think he likes me. Uh, normal. I call it pretty, my marriage. Yeah, right? <laughs> call it, yeah, maybe we're married. Uh, I just I feel like receiver uh, is a need, but I would value speed. I think it is telling that our good friend Chris Sims, maybe Chris can fix this for me. Chris Sims doesn't have Judy in his top five receivers. And Chris's best friend, uh, actually they have a, a matching tattoo, is Kyle Shanahan so maybe that maybe there's something to that I thought that was interesting too the and I'm not saying or... <laughs> no well that's another comment I, <laughs> oh man all right I think we should just move on no I'm just kidding uh I'm not saying Sims just piggybacks off of of Kyle but I just thought it was interesting uh Judy not being in his top five and to each their own because plenty of top guys bust where I won't say anyone's crazy for any kind of take right. these days but I, I think it's interesting I just wonder if they if there are aligned on how they view receivers and what Kyle is looking for. And I I will say it over and over again. I think Henry Ruggs is the first wide receiver taken in this draft. Would not be surprised. Not at all. All right, let's keep it moving along. Then number 14 overall, a lot of different ways the Bucks could go here. I'm going to give them CJ Henderson though. I think they look at their depth chart and they look at what they have to stop in the NFC South you need a corner, and, and I think C.J. Henderson falling past teams like the Jags, they sweep him up here in number 15 overall. This is where Jerry Judy comes off the board. If he's sitting there for the Broncos, they're going to be sprinting this card. They're going to email this card super fast to Roger Goodell at his home. I think these two fit very well with these teams. I do think they fit. It just feels like they've been a team that needs to go offensive tackle. Obviously, you have the, the big four coming off the board already, right? Yep. So, so I, you can't yep. you go Josh Jones here at 14. I don't think they do. No. I wouldn't panic when you you have a need at corner and the number two corners on the board. I might just go full Chiefs with the Bucks and take Judy and be like, all right, Evans, Godwin, Judy, good luck. But the problem is I do think that Tom Brady still needs help in pass pro. I would give Jason Peters a call. They spent a lot of picks on DBs last year. Now, none of them are C.J. Henderson, so let's make that clear. I I do wonder what the strategy is here for Tampa, as it seems like they're kind of on the outside looking in on a good run of players. And number 16 overall to finish out our first 
half here. The Falcons, they could go Kinlaw. I still think they need an edge rusher. I'm going to have Chase on just a little bit ahead of them. And that's why I have Chase on going here. I like his fit in this defense, and you have to get after the quarterback. Kinlaw can do it. Uh, a member of the secondary can help out with that quite a bit. But I think that Chase on is kind of being slept on because he's not Chase Young, but he's still pretty damn good. Yeah, and I'm still bitter that you let Judy go to the Broncos and not the Niners. I, you guys know I love Chase on. I think I'm the highest person uh, among the group on him. Uh, he would fit there. The only thing is, like, they have Dante Fowler. I don't know how they see Tack McKinley, who's been pretty inconsistent. Um, that would be one of the biggest questions for me is how do they plan to utilize him if he's going to be, you know, a, a linebacker on first and second down, a rush on third. I think there could be some value. Uh, I would think that someone like Javon Kinlaw might be the pick here with Henderson off the board. Yeah, I'm really curious with this Atlanta team. We know Dimitrov will explore moving up and moving down. Um, I wonder how many assets they can consistently put into Dan Quinn's front seven. I mean, we know how much money they've invested there. And now another draft pick here. But I like the player a lot. So it's it's hard to really crush that when you like the player. It, Atlanta feels like a team, guys, that we're going to be talking about on draft night one way or the other because I think they're going to jump out of this pick. Uh, yeah, that's actually a good point. I could see them do that as well. Or, you know what? It's Tom Dimitrov. He could take a running back. Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. I, I think some fans would be pissed off with that. But that's the way the board could fall. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll finish out the rest of the first round here on Stick to Football. We are back here on Stick to Football, and we're going to give you the rest of this first round mock draft. We left off with the Dallas Cowboys at 17, and Javon Kinlaw is there. I think this is just too perfect of a fit. Cowboys take the big defensive lineman. I mean, he didn't play for the Carolina Panthers first. It's the only thing that confuses me because that's where all their linemen come from at this point. I like Kinlaw here. If he's available, there's a steal. Yeah, I think so, too. I, I mean, uh, pulling a China shop here, a, a guy that just absolutely wrecks people in front of him. And, and I think a pick that, once again, if he's there, this one makes way too much sense. Number 18 overall, the Miami Dolphins. They have to be more happy with you as a fan base than um, you guys because I gave them Tua, and I'll give them Josh Jones, the tackle here. Protect your quarterback who's often injured. Uh, I, I think this might be a little bit of a reach for some teams right here with the Dolphins. I think this is such a need that you can take a guy like Josh Jones and kind of stash him or play him and develop him at tackle. I think the Dolphins need to take a tackle at 18 and 26, so you're off to a good start. Yeah, I mean, big fan of this one. I think Miami is doing uh, way better in your mock mellow than they did for, <laughs> for with Matt and I. I like this pick. I'm just trying to keep all those Dolphins fans happy. Number 19, the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, I'm going to go with a corner here, but I'm going to go with a big program guy who's very athletic. And Trevin Diggs. I, I think that he's going to fit that mold of what they want in Las Vegas. And it's a corner. It's a big position of need. They get him here with 19 overall. I like this pick for them. Um, I, I think I think I had this pick in mind is what I was going to say. Um, so obviously I like it. But he does fit what Mike Mayock wants to do at this position, especially after you, um, you know, at 12 overall, they get an Alabama player in rugs. Now you get an Alabama player in digs. It makes sense to me. I like where your head's at here, too. I'm starting to think Diggs is going to go a lot earlier than we've had him in mock drafts over the last year. He was somebody that kind of hovered in the 20s and then was in the second round. It, now it feels like he's just climbing, climbing because everybody values these long, athletic kind of corners. Now, do I have him this high personally? No, but would it shock me if the Raiders took someone like him, A.J. Terrell, Jalen Johnson thinks he's going there? This would not shock me at all. Yeah, I think there's a lot of potential there, a little bit of development needed to keep him uh, and, and teach him how to play corner a little bit more, but I, I like him a lot. He's rising up my board. Number 20 overall, the Jaguars, and 21, the Eagles. Let's knock these out because I have two receivers going here. Justin Jefferson to the Jags and T Higgins to the Eagles. I think the Eagles really need that other receiver. I don't love T Higgins here, but I also don't know if they're in love with the corners. I have these two teams both taking a receiver. What's funny is they could both also take a linebacker. So you could have had Patrick Queen and Kenneth Murray go here, and it also would have made sense. Uh, I'm really starting to like Jefferson at 20 to the Jags. I think that is a, a low-key need for them, and he would be a very good fit in that offense. Plug-and-play kind of player. And I think if you're an Eagles fan, you got to be heartbroken here because I think there's a big gap between Jefferson and Higgins in this spot. And you have to wonder... I mean, the Eagles, they can get a big-bodied guy like Higgins. Do they take a size-speed guy like Mims? 
do Hamler or Rager go higher than we think? I'm fascinated to see what happens with the Eagles if Jacksonville beats them to the spot to get Justin Jefferson. And another team that needs a corner here, the Minnesota Vikings. I have them taking A.J. Terrell. I feel like that's a good fit with the length that they're going to want at corner, his athletic ability. There's some really good tape of A.J. Terrell out there. I know you can find some some beat-up tape on him too, but I like the corner here. And then I'll go ahead and give you pick 23. The New England Patriots and 24, the Saints, they're taking two of the linebackers. I have the Patriots going with Kenneth Murray first. I think they're going to like the guy in the middle that's a little bit bigger. They can make all the tackles. That just screams Belichick to me. And then the Saints get that athletic guy right there in Louisiana and Patrick Queen. Yeah, I mean, I love this as a, a closet Patriots fan. Give them Kenneth Murray, that, that captain letter on his jersey, just transfer it to New England. I think Dante Hightower getting older, you lose Kyle Van Noy. Murray can can be, I mean, he's that rock-solid, mature, high-character leader that they need. And then with the Saints, uh, since you don't go quarterback here, I think adding speed to that defense is absolutely something they need to keep keep up and keep ahead of the a- NFC South. Yeah, I mean, let's start with the Vikings here at 22. You need to replace Xavier Rhodes, and Terrell is a guy that I think, you know, once again, a long corner that can run. He can do that. The Patriots with Kenneth Murray, I mean, he screams their kind of linebacker. Just yeah. a guy that I do think is versatile, a guy that you're going to tell him, you know, you're going to give him room to run and freedom just to roam out there and make plays. And, and when you look at the Saints at 24, Patrick Queen's one of the best cover linebackers I've seen in quite some time. I don't know if they have a player like that, so adding him him to that defense that front seven next to demario davis is something to be really excited about and next up the vikings again uh they really need a receiver but i think they can hold off i know we've been mocking receivers to them in the first round they gave up a receiver for a reason i think they're comfortable there i'm gonna go with gross mottos here at Ooh. defensive end i think they can really pair him up with hunter you've got a very good pairing of defensive linemen here that can get after the quarterback wait and get a receiver later we talk about the depth here don't reach for one in the first round just because it's a position of need. Get yourself a guy that can get after the quarterback. Get yourself. I like this one a lot. You lose Everson Griffin, you bring in Gross Matos. I could see them go, I mean, honestly, if they don't go receiver here, they could go offensive tackle. They could go defensive tackle. I like that they go edge here. I think that fits Mike Zimmer's philosophy really, really well. I'm just worried about Kirk Cousins without a ton of talent around him. And what I mean by that is you traded Stephon Diggs. Is Adam Thielen, who was a little banged up last year, is Adam Thielen enough in this spot? I know they have the great running game led by Gary Kubiak with Dalvin Cook, some pieces on the offensive line. But when you look at it right here with the Vikings, I like Etor Grossmatos a lot. I think this is a place that he would thrive. I'm just very curious how Minnesota plays this wide receiver draft. Yeah, I, it'll be interesting. They could, I mean, they could take a receiver at 22. They could wait and take one later. Uh, a lot of picks to decide to, from, though. The Dolphins up here, I haven't taken DeAndre Swift. I, I think that this fits too much, and, and they need a playmaker on that offense. I don't like any of the receivers here. They take the running back. Yeah, I think they're set uh, for now. Receiver, uh, your hope is that Devontae Parker continues to be a playmaker. Um, they've got good depth behind him, but I've had running back go here a lot. I think the sleeper pick to watch for is Isaiah Wilson from Georgia at right tackle, though. Yeah, wow. That would be interesting for them to solve not only left tackle, but right tackle in the first round. I'm also curious. Now, what I like about this pick, Mello, with Swift is I think he can play in any scheme. I I really do. I don't know what Chan Gailey wants to do in his return. So that's a big question right now as we look at the Dolphins. Are they going to sit there and wait until day two to take a running back and, and, you know, roll the dice that some of the talent's gone? But, of course, there's still players there. Are they going to go in round one and say, hey, we're going to get a guy that's scheme-proof we can ask him to do a ton of different things. Swift for me at 26 is really good value. I I obviously agree because me and you think the exact same about Swift. Number 27 overall, the Seattle Seahawks and 28 overall, the Baltimore Ravens. They're both going with safeties here. Maybe not the Xavier McKinney's, the Grant Delpits of the world. I have the Seahawks taking Jeremy Chin, and I have the Ravens taking Kyle Duggar, the small school Ooh, baby. badass safeties. Well, and I Senior think your bowl special. Exactly. But they're not just safety. So, like, Ravens fans should be like, we re signed Chuck Clark. Well, Kyle Duggar's not just a safety. He's going to play all over. And Jeremy Chin, I think we said this on the Wednesday show, that's just Cam Chancellor, but fast. So both picks fit those teams' philosophies, without a doubt. 
It really does. Guys that have so much versatility, you know, bringing versatility to the table. You watch both play and you kind of wonder, are these guys linebackers while they play safety? That's what it feels like for both of them. Uh, For the Ravens to get someone like Duggar that showed he can cover tight ends and running backs really well. I think it's really exciting. I'm really fascinated to see what happens with Jeremy Chin. There's been first round buzz for him all month. I had valued him, guys, as a end of round two player, uh, but it feels like he's going to go higher than that. Yeah, I think that safety is a need and a lot of teams are going to try to reach for one but I don't think it's going to be McKinney and I don't think it's going to be Delpa that goes uh, first from let the me stop us could you imagine if I could go back in time and tell you guys in July that we're going to have Jeremy Chin and Kyle <laughs> Duggar ahead of Grant Delpit I would have had to look them up in July no oh, I was I sure. didn't watch any of them last summer no nah. nah, and it was like Delpit is a top I mean, he was like top 10 consensus player. And then it was McKinney after that. Yeah, there would. And then it probably would have been Brandon Jones. Honestly, would have been your third safety at this yes. point in July. Yeah. Jordan Fuller from Ohio State probably He's even would have been not up there. Get yeah, there's a lot of them. Uh, let's move along here. The Tennessee Titans are up a lot of needs here, but I'm going to go with the defensive line. It screams Mike Rabel. I think he wants to get after the quarterback, try to stop a guy like Patrick Mahomes, but also have that versatility to play inside, to play outside, stand up, put your hand in the dirt, that old Patriots mentality. A.J. Epinesa is a guy we haven't been talking about a lot, but I think the Titans could be in a position to take him at the end of the first. I would love this pick because I'm still a huge A.J. Epinesa fan. And when you trade Jarrell Casey, I think you do have to have a plan to replace him. Not that Epinesa is the you know, plug-and-play replacement there, but with Jeffrey Simmons on one side, Epinesa on the other, you got a really, really good defensive line group. I think we've officially reached the territory, guys, where Epinesa was overrated for so long that he's now become underrated. Yes. It's crazy to me. When you look at him, he's a high-floor player. He's a good run defender. I do think he can have eight sacks a year. And once again, just the ability for him to win leverage on the outside or inside, he's going to be a very good run defender. So at 29, I know AJ Epinesa is not the hot name to say anymore, but when you look at this Titans defense, this is a perfect landing spot for a player that's going to start right away. Yeah, and I feel like Epinesa, like, if he went 23 to the Patriots, be like, that's good value. Like, that's a good pick for them. Trey Flowers, right? Yeah, and like, even at, like, say Ken Law's not there and the Cowboys took him at 17. Yeah, yeah. Kind of makes sense. Be a good pick. He, his range is all over the place right now, though. All right. And number 30 overall, the Packers, a lot of different ways they could use this pick, but I do think it's going to be receiver. I'm going to give them Denzel Mims. I like the big target uh, to go in this offense. And you look at the Packers and who they've targeted at receiver. It's all these big guys. I mean, they like size at receiver, and I think Mims can give them that. Ah, man. Yeah, I think Mims is overrated. Now, I like him. I think he's a top 50 player. I do feel like we're getting that height, weight, speed bump from a guy whose senior bowl did not look like his regular season. Let's just call it what it is. I'm close. Not not even close. And like in his testing, it's like, God damn, look at this guy test. But remember last year, like DK Metcalf tested like if Superman came to the combine outside of the three cone and he went 64th overall. I wonder if Mims is going to be drafted a little later than people expect right now and to the point that we're going to call it a disappointment when it's really just where he should have been picked all along. Yeah, I'm very curious as well. I, I remember I go back to months ago, probably like November. I remember before a show one day, a midweek show, I said to Matt, I said, have you watched Mims? And like, am I missing something? Because I had him in the third round and, and you know, we talk about him a little bit and then he goes to the senior bowl and he does look like a top 40 kind of player he goes to the combine he tests like a top of round one athlete so then you have to go back to the tape again and I just think that he he doesn't play like the athlete profile he has now he could develop in and do that which is really exciting and probably why he will be a top 50 pick I do think guys 18 drops over the last two seasons is probably the biggest concern absolutely is and he just doesn't play that strong but If he's picked at 30, I won't be surprised. And number 31 overall, the San Francisco 49ers. I'm going to give him Jeff Gladney. Uh, I I feel like that secondary still needs some help. You can go after a corner after you get your big-time receiver uh, at 13 overall with CeeDee Lamb. So Jeff Gladney here, the pick at 31. Well, you gave him two tough MFers in this draft class. I'll tell you that. Gladney doesn't fit the size profile that a lot of people expect uh, from a Niners corner with that, you know, Seattle South type defense. I think he plays so much bigger than 
that's what I say. He's so good in press coverage that you almost ignore the fact that he's, you know, shade over five foot ten. I really like Gladney, whether you want to comp him to Jair Alexander, Tredavious White, I mean, those late first round corners who've become very, very good. I think he'll be another one. Yeah, with Gladney, he kind of reminds me of what a healthy Jason Verrett could have been. Yeah. And I want to see if that translates to the next level. And I know the Niners took a flyer on Verrett. I mean, man, if Verrett could have, we say this every year, if Verrett could have stayed healthy, Gladney's play style is very, very similar to him. And pick 32 overall. This is my favorite pick uh, to make in the entire draft because it is the Kansas Why's City that? Chiefs. <laughs> but they are trading this pick oh. because they only have five hey, goodbye. in this draft <laughs> and they have to make a move. They have to get back. So I have the Indianapolis Colts coming up to take our guy Jordan Love at the end of the first round. Pick 32 overall. The Chiefs get a third back and they only move two spots back to 34. I, I think this is something that we're going to see. If it's not the Colts, it'll be another team. The Chiefs need to move back. Another team's going to need to move up, especially if Jordan Love's here. Yeah, if Jordan Love's there, I mean, that means that the Saints passed on him, the Packers passed on him, and we're going to talk to him in a little bit about where he thinks he'll go. But um, I do think the Chiefs, with only five selections in this draft, have to trade back from 32 overall. I d- at this point, it doesn't sound like Chris Jones is going to get moved. So I-, I like what you've done here for, as Emmett calls them, the Kansas City champion Chiefs. Yeah, Melo, I like that you uh, you thought with your brain and didn't act with your heart in this spot. <laughs> it's hard not to take a player to add to your team in these mock drafts, but this is the right move to do if you're Kansas City. You can get out of this pick every single year if you want at 32 because teams want to get their guy before the stress and buildup of day number two begins. And, and you know, te- that I think this year more than ever, guys, we might actually see that with the whole virtual draft trade scenario. Yep. And and re-signing Bashad Breeland, which they did Thursday afternoon, means you don't have to reach for a corner here if you don't want to. They're just run it back, as Pat says. All right, we will run it back. Mellow, good mock draft. I liked that one. We'll be back with Jordan Love and Darrington Evans, not together. That would be cool. Uh, separately, right after this. We are joined today by one of the best quarterbacks in the 2020 class. Definitely a quarterback with the best arm in the 2020 class. Utah State's Jordan Love. Jordan, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to come talk to us today, man. No, no problem. How you guys doing? Doing well. Now, I want to ask first things first, man. Everyone, when whether it's us evaluating you or when we talk to teams, Everyone looks at the 2018 and then the 2019, and they try to rectify the difference between the two. You know how you looked amazing in 2018. Matt Wells goes to Tech, uh, to Texas Tech, and then the the stats fell off a little bit this year. How much was was Coach Wells leaving? How much of an impact did that have on your your last season here? Yeah, I mean, uh, it was a it was a huge you know impact for us. You know, just having the whole coaching staff, um, you know, going to Texas Tech and whatnot. So uh, you know, that impacted. Uh, you know, our team a lot, you know, um, getting a new coaching staff and whatnot. But, you know, we had Coach Anderson coming back. Um, you know, he was at Utah State before. So, uh, um, you know, he's a familiar face. And he's a great coach. And, uh, you know, it made the transition a lot smoother for that. I feel like last winter when Wells left, a lot of people thought you might follow him to Tech. Was that ever something that you considered? Um, No. So they had, uh, you know, it was obviously, you know, decision i had to make you know if i wanted to go um you know with them to texas tech or state utah state but for me it was um it wasn't a hard decision for me i, I knew i wanted to stay at utah state so uh you know my boys that you know i've been working with for them um rather than you know just leaving with the, the coach so jordan what's it been like going from a bit of an underrated guy then you have a great 2018 season and then now the last year your name is talked about in the top 10 top 15 picks of the draft on whether it's every draft coverage show podcast social media what's that transition been like for you yeah it's been uh, it's been pretty cool to see just for me um you know obviously my family just just to see you know um, my name out there like that um but at the end of the day you know i know that's just um it's just all talk right now until you know the draft happens and whatnot and we see where i actually end up so uh but like i said it's, it's cool to see yeah, jordan i was uh, watching the senior ball obviously we were all down there covering it and i'm watching the game and uh patrick mahomes text and he was like who's this number five with the headband throwing the ball over the field and, and obviously he knew who you were because matt wells uh, you know at tech now but how much of your game uh do you watch mahomes and think i have the athleticism and the arm strength to do a lot of those same things oh yeah i mean he's a he's a, a fun player to watch you know i love watching him um, and just, you know, seeing the crazy throws he can make and, uh, different arm slots he can get his arm into and just, he's just a playmaker. Um, you know, I love watching it and, uh, you know, try and take bits and pieces of my game 
Um, I mean, from his game and just add into my game because, like I said, it's fun to watch. So, are we going to see any like uh, left-handed throws or any underarm behind the back? Any any of that shit? Uh, I'm, hey, I'm gonna leave that to him. <laughs> <laughs> he can do all that, and uh, I'll do some uh, some regular stuff. <laughs> are there any other quarterbacks out there that you try to model your game after? Obviously, a lot of people have been talking about Pat Mahomes, but what other quarterbacks uh, would you say you kind of model your game after? Oh, man, I mean, I watch, for me, like my whole life, I've watched every quarterback um, that's playing in the NFL, college. Um, I just love watching the position being played um, and trying to try take bits and pieces. But, I mean, like I said, I love watching um, Deshaun Watson as well, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, um, you know, great quarterbacks that can, uh, you know, are just playmakers, can make, make plays and win games. I just love watching it, so. What was your road like to Utah State? Because we hear, you know, we, we're used to quarterbacks coming from all over the place, whether it was Josh Allen from Wyoming, obviously Pat from Texas Tech. Not every great quarterback comes from Clemson, Alabama, but how did you end up at Utah State? Yeah, so I mean, in high school, you know, I was a little under-recruited uh, just based on my size. I was um, super skinny coming out of high school um, and just didn't have the offers. Um, so uh, ended up getting the Utah State offer, and that was my only D1 offer. So Wow. I was rolling with Utah State. You know, they took a chance on me, so that's how I ended up there. That's a lot like Josh Allen's story. Uh, you know, kid who just oh, yeah. bloomed late, only offer was Wyoming, mm-hmm. and he goes and, like yourself, you know, has a hell of a career. I'm sure you're tired of hearing the number 17. Uh, when people talk about your 2019 season, it's the 17 picks, but your junior, or your 2018 season, 32 touchdowns, only six interceptions. I have my theories on what was different between those two years, but like for, from your side of things, what went different those two years? Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, the great year in 2018, but uh, coming in 2019 season, um, you know, we had a lot of a lot of turnaround and whatnot. But for me, uh, you know, I've gotten some just situations where I was trying to do too much um, and make make plays out of nothing, really, um, and force the ball downfield, forcing the tight windows. Um, you know, someone was just relying on my arm a little bit too much. Um, you know, had a little confidence thinking I can make every throw um, when I couldn't. And sometimes, you know, situations where we needed to play um, and somebody had to go make a play. So I was, you know, trusting our receivers to just throwing up some uh, 50-50 jump balls and whatnot and just putting on harm's way a little bit too much. So, Do you feel like that's a lesson that it's better to learn in college than it is to get in the NFL and think, I have this world-class arm strength, I can fit it into any window. Is that something you've like talked to teams about? Like, like hey, I, I took my lumps in college. And you're never gonna, you're not gonna become like Teddy Bridgewater checking the ball down every throw. Um, that's not your game. But do you feel like that that helps you in some ways? Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, it was lessons I needed to learn, you know, um, and it helped me, you know, better to learn it in college than you know get to the NFL and throw 17 interceptions again. But uh, no, it's uh, the way I think about it. You know, 17 uh, learning mistakes that you know I get to learn from, watch film, and um, just can't be letting those mistakes happen again. But uh, yeah, it's definitely good to learn. I think it's not without coincidence here. We've mentioned a couple quarterbacks while talking to you. Pat Mahomes, Josh Allen. Where does your arm strength rank when we're talking about those two guys and yourself? Oh, man. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't know. You know, I have to have like a throwing competition. Oh, come on, yeah. Them, Put but, it out uh, there. Who's you got to be stronger than one of them, right? No, nah, I mean, I, I, seen, uh, I, I played against Josh Allen in college, and uh, I, I've seen his arm. He's got a cannon, so uh, he definitely has a – a stronger arm than me for sure because I seen I saw him warming up and he was he was launching like sixty five yards with ease and uh, so but uh, yeah we had Jacob Easton on last week. Do you have a stronger arm than him? Um, sure. I don't even know. I, I haven't really seen Jacob Easton throw it like that besides of the combine. But uh, I'm trying to get me to say something. Man. Yeah, we are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's on to us. Oh man. But yeah, I don't know. Hey, my my arm strength is up there. That's for sure. It's been a long couple months, especially for you guys that you know went to the Senior Bowl. You're talking to teams. You go to the Combine. You're talking to teams. Now, even though they can't come see you, they find a way. Whether it's FaceTime or these Zoom and Skype calls, what is the one question that you find most of these teams asking you over and over again? Uh, for me, it's uh, more about you know offense and how I can learn. Just coming from you know the offense ran Utah State. You know, tempo offense, not as many plays, no huddle. Um, and they just want to see if I can actually, you know, call plays in a huddle, um, be able to learn, you know, a bigger playbook and whatnot, and, um, to make, you know, ID calls, um, be able to make protection slides and whatnot, and to see if I can handle that. So uh, that's been the biggest question for me. Um, you know, it's kind of hard to evaluate that in, you know, Skype interviews and whatnot. So um, they, 
kind of just give me uh, plays from their offense, install plays, and see if I can uh, handle that right now. So, what have you been doing during your uh, quarantine or, or isolation, whatever, whatever people are calling it? Uh, as we move into like the second month of it, uh, what are you doing in your free time? Man, in my free time, I'm playing a lot of video games. In my free time, that's for that's sure. Right. What do you play? Same. Madden, Call of Duty. Those are my two games I'm playing. There we go. We got you a Twitch stream, man. You'd be making some money while you're just sitting around. Yeah, get on there. <laughs> I mean, I've tried to play Call of Duty before, and I I like games like Red Dead, and I play a little bit of Madden. Call of Duty makes me sick. Like I actually feel nauseous running around trying to do things like that. I just I can't do it. It's not for me. No, that's I played Red Dead before. It's too slow for me. Well, you know, part of our job here is not to play video games, but we do that anyway. But we have to make Uh predictions on where guys like you are going to be drafted. So what teams have you been talking to? Give us a little inside scoop. What teams can we maybe put you with uh, when we do our next mock draft? Oh, man, Uh, I've been talking to a lot of teams. I mean, uh, I've talked to Dolphins, Chargers, Saints, um, Packers. Um, I've talked to I've talked to a lot of teams, so it's uh it's hard for me to try and sit and evaluate you know where I think I'm gonna end up just because I'm talking to teams and you know sometimes they might not even need a quarterback, so who knows? But uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Now I know you won't tell us where you'd want to go, and I understand that. But is there any kind of preference you have, whether it's warm weather, you want to be down south, you want to sit behind a guy like Aaron Rodgers for years? There any kind of preference you have? Oh man, coming from Utah State, I'm trying to I'm trying to go to a place with warm weather. Yeah, smart <laughs> man, yeah. But uh, no, nah, Utah trained me for the cold weather. If I got to go there, so we'll see. Yeah, and you've mentioned a couple. You know, the Packers, the Saints. There's some legends on those teams. Is that something mm-hmm. you feel like would be beneficial to you? We've talked about Mahomes a lot. People put that comp out there with you a lot. You know, he got to sit behind Alex Smith, learn for a year, and and he's really credited his quick development to that fact is that something that you think would be beneficial for you coming from you know you're no disrespect to utah state but you're not coming out of the sec you know you didn't you didn't have to play against lsu's corners and alabama's corners is sitting something that could help you we did have play against lsu i was gonna say (laughs) 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 but no i definitely think it'd be beneficial i mean you know sit behind a legend like that and just be able to learn and um just ask questions and be able to learn for a year and or however long that is. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, um, it's my job. You know, I got to be ready whenever I'm called upon. So we'll see what happens. And I apologize because I've defended that LSU game a couple of times. So I should have known that. I'm just over here running my mouth. <laughs> you know, and you can tell us that we're wrong anytime. You don't have to tell us what right. we want to hear. You can just be like, no, I'm definitely ready to take the field right now. I'll suit it up for the Dolphins and I'm going to be a pro bowler. Oh, yeah. I mean, if that's the case, I'm, I'll be ready, you know. Yeah, especially that warm weather. We were at South Beach for the Super Bowl. You want to go to the Dolphins. And I, I don't know if it, if you can somehow make that happen. That's where you want to be. And I don't know what your relationship status is, but if you can get to Miami, you will definitely enjoy it. I'm sure I'm sure that L.A. is nice, too, though. Hey, it's all nice. Cali, Florida, we'll see. <laughs> anywhere with the beach, that's the way to go. Any, hey, anywhere. <laughs> Uh, Jordan, as you uh, kind of get through this process, man, how hard has it been to uh, just deal with the, the anxiety of not knowing where you're going to be next year? Like for a lot of guys, I mean, even coming out of high school, like you said, you had one one D1 offer, so you kind of knew where you were going to go. Now you don't have a choice. How hard is that to, you know, you'll know in three weeks, but to sit and wait to find out where you're going to be playing? Yeah, I mean, it's 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 weird to just kind of sit and be thinking, like in two weeks, I'll be somewhere. We'll, we'll see what happens with the quarantine, but uh, just to think like in two weeks, I could be somewhere that, you know, I don't even know where I'm gonna go right now. Uh, so it's, it's kind of weird, but at the same time, it's, you know, it's something that I can't control. So, um, you know, that's a lesson I've always learned, you know, you control what you can control set of my hands. You know, I just gotta be patient and, uh, just wait and see. Have you started to think about draft day plans? I know you can't pick where you're going to go and be drafted, but what that's going to look like, you know, usually we see guys uh, like a status of yourself. You would be there for the first round or you'd be with your family at home. Do you kind of know what that's going to look like for you come draft day? Yeah, I'm going I'm to be at home. Um, so I'm be with my family. Um, so we'll see. We'll see how many people I can actually have at my house. <laughs> that's right. It'll be interesting to see. But yeah, I'm going to be at home. Uh, so I'll be here. I know they've been asking players already, especially projected first rounders like yourself, if they can film the reactions live from, you know, your home. Is that something you would want to do or do you want it to be a little bit more of a private reaction? No, I definitely uh, want it filmed and I think it will be filmed. Nice. I mean, yeah, that's that's something, you know, 
um, it's going to be a special moment. So, you know, everybody can see that and share it. I'll tell you, man, Colts fans have been screaming for you for like five months. We can't even take it anymore. So if by chance you end up in Indy, I'm just letting you know, you are going to have a Colts following as soon as your name is called. I'd be big. Yeah, I've been in contact with the Colts too. So uh, I'll be... That'd be pretty huge. We, see. we got you all the, the great spots to eat in Indy if you need any recommendations, should that happen. Uh, uh, Man, when I was down there at the combine, when I was down there at the combine, I heard that, uh, what's it called, that, that steak plate? Prime? St. Elmo's? What was that? Prime. Uh, Saint, yeah, St. No, Elmo's. Yeah. Oh, yep. I heard that place is pretty good. It's good. It's very good, especially if you like uh, horseradish, the, the cocktail sauce uh-huh. and the shrimp. Really, really hot. Really it's good incredibly stuff. That's what I heard. Yeah, yeah, I can't eat that stuff. Yeah, it sucks that you guys go to Indy for like four or five days and you don't get to experience it. It's just like stay in your hotel room, go to meetings, go throw, and then get out of town. Was yep. the combine different for you guys though this year? I know that you don't have a, a combine to compare it to, but talking to your agent, talking to the teams that you did, could you tell the difference when you were interacting with those guys? Um, no. I couldn't tell any difference. You know, I didn't really know what the combine was like before, but um, I guess the only difference I knew was, like, the quarterbacks went first and the the groups and whatnot. So, But for me, I mean, it was a good time. I had a good time out there. Well, Jordan, thanks so much for joining us, man. I really appreciate your time, and we're excited to see where you end up. We really are, and we'll be rooting for you. Yeah, I appreciate you guys. Another great interview today on Six Football. You get to double dip, and we have one of my favorite running backs in the class. Actually, highlighted. I think last week I highlighted this guy, Darrington Evans from App State, one of the fastest backs. So if you're a like a Chiefs fan, like Mello, a Niners fan, like me, uh, Darrington, you would fit perfectly with either of our teams. Please, please come help our offenses. Hey, as long as they come get me, I'll be down for it. Now, man, what, how many teams have you been talking to? Because we, I feel like you're going to be honest with us. We talked to all these players, and they're like, oh, I've talked to a couple teams. Like, how busy are you right now talking to teams? Um, I've actually talked to a little bit more than half of the league. Wow. God. It's, it's kind of hard to, you know, stay on top of it. But, you know, my agent, they have a good schedule. You know, we try and keep the schedule updated to where I know which teams I'm talking to on certain days and stuff. Is there any team that you feel like uh, you have a really good rapport with that maybe we can start saying, all right, Darrington Evans probably going to end up here on draft day? Oh, it's kind of hard because um, I would say even at the at the combine, um, my draft start really, I would say throughout the week talking to teams in the interviews. Um, you know, a lot of teams said they thought if I could be a coach by the way I was talking and describing our offense and, you know, explaining and talking football to them. So, I've kind of been getting the same vibe from every team I've talked to. Um, I actually got a chance to go out and uh, visit with the Titans before the Corona stuff. Um, but then, like, the rest of my visits, you know, kind of got turned into, you know, FaceTimes or Skypes and stuff like that. So I've, I'm not sure. It's kind of hard. Yeah, it's been a crazy process for you. Obviously, Daniel Jeremiah has been talking you up for a long time, being an App State guy. Then you go and you just – completely light up the combine and now your name's everywhere it feels like you're not gonna you're not gonna make it you know past the second or third round what has this process been like for you i would say it's been it's been really good um you know guys like daniel you know backing me um it it means a lot you know um you know a lot of people they they feel as if you know i shouldn't go second third round just because i didn't go to a bigger school but you know guys like daniel who actually know football pay attention to it and actually took the time to study um, myself and other guys, you know, it, it shows, um, you know, even, even talking to teams, they ask me all the time, how'd you end up at a school like app? And I'm like, you know, it's kind of a similar situation to now to where, you know, certain college teams asking our, right, which teams offered you, which teams were looking at you. And, you know, three, four years later, they wish the man, I wish I would have had this kid, but they just didn't want to take that chance. Man, how but you good? guys, you guys win a lot. It's like disrespectful to say, like, how do you end up at App State when you have teammates that are going to be drafted win- with you and you win a lot? Does that feel a little like disrespectful at all? I mean, yeah, but at the same time, you know, if they don't understand the culture, you know, that's that's on them. If they didn't take the time to educate themselves on it, there's no need to even stress about it. That's a good point, Darrington. How good did it feel to run that four four one? I I and I know some teams had you like four three eight. Um, so were you disappointed at four four one, or were you pretty damn happy when that time flashed on the bottom of the TV? Oh uh, yeah, I, I'm not gonna lie to you. I'm gonna be completely honest. I was kind of disappointed. Um, you know, I, I came in with the mindset run a four three, had a faster time out of the running back group. You know, 
Um, got the second fastest time, which is, you know, it's good and all. It's a blessing. But at the same time, I have myself a, a higher standard than what I ran. That's a pretty damn high standard. Right. What's the highest, or sorry, <laughs> what's the fastest 40 time you've ever recorded? The fastest one I've recorded was a 4.36. Yeah, that's flying. That's flying. Have you been able to train during this weird time where, you know, a lot of us are quarantining, but some players we talk to, nothing's changed for them. They go to a private gym or, you know, they're keeping their distance. And some other players we talk to haven't been able to do a lot. What's your schedule been like? Yeah, I'm working out at a private gym with a couple of guys from um, down in my hometown, um, relatives and, you know, old high school teammates who are actually not in the NFL. So, you know, we kind of, kind of stick to ourselves work out as a group where we can push each other and you know hold each other accountable nope. and then you know after we go lift at the gym in the afternoon we'll go run and then you know that'll be our day and then just come back and do it the next day one of my favorite things about you uh not just an athlete but you're a guy who was uh national honor society in high school and I, and like you said earlier yeah. Teams talking to you love the intelligence that that comes to the table. Is that something that that you try to stress when you're talking to teams? Is that you are a guy that can understand the playbook. You're not going to have any any troubles. You're going to be able to hop in, you know, pick up pass protection, understand routes. That you're you're really a do it all back. Yeah, I feel like um, it's not really even something I have to stress. I just feel like you know after having a conversation with them, they kind of understand that. Um, you know, just when I describe something, if I'm talking offense or we're talking football, I'm not just going to talk talk about it on the surface. I'm going to go into detail. So I make sure you know what I'm, I know what I'm talking about versus you asking that, all right, so what about this? Like, I'm going to answer your next question before you even ask it. So give us, you sound like a pretty smart guy, Matt's talking about it. Give us something that we don't know about you. What are you doing in your spare time uh, other than working out, preparing for the draft? What are you doing to keep yourself busy? Uh, I would say as of now, um, I'm reading reading books, um, you know, just helping around the house with my grandmother and my mom. Um, and then, you know, from time to time, I'll pick up my Rubik's Cube a little bit, but I ain't picked it up in about two weeks, so I got to I gotta get back on it. Can you finish it? Can Damn. you do it? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. It, it's a funny story how I got into it. So, like, in high school, me and my um, senior class guys, you know, after our season was over, um, we were in one of our classes, and it was like a half-semester class, and uh, one of the swimmers at my school, he could do it in like 40 seconds. So we all were like, all right, we about to turn this into a competition. So we all went and bought one the next day. And we we're like, all right, first person who um, gets the Rubik's Cube song gets a dinner on everybody else. So it's about seven of us. So that's a free dinner for every day of the week. <laughs> and ended up ended up getting it done, um, finished it in about two days. And then since then, really just pick it up every now and then whenever I see one. How quick can you do it? Uh, I'm about to say the fastest I've done it is a little under a minute. Wow. Oh my god! Yeah, with me having touching one, I think the last time I touched one, I actually picked one up at the uh, combine. I saw one at the uh, one of the suites. I picked it up, and everyone's like, "You do not know how to do that." And I picked it up when I did it. They're like, whoa! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, you don't man. have to answer you need this to do that. Yeah. if you don't want. Go ahead, Matt. How easy was the Wonderlick test for you then? Um, I mean, it was pretty straight. It was pretty straightforward. You know, it wasn't too bad. You know, it was just, it's time, you know. And a lot of people, you know, they don't really know how to handle time and just answer questions. I would say the best part is just, you know, even if it's a question that you know you can answer, if it's going to take too long, I'd rather just skip that and go to one that's not going to take too long to answer it and then come back to it at the end. Nice. Did you get any crazy questions at the combine from any teams? Sometimes you hear reports of, you know, them asking weird questions like, "If you were a box of cereal, what would you be?" Did you get anything like that? <laughs> no, I didn't get any questions like that. They um, probably knew not to mess with you. Like this guy's yeah. the smartest one in the room. Right. We don't need to pick his brain too much. Yeah, but see, I didn't get any of those. I wish I would have. <laughs> Oh, maybe we can come up with some on right? the show and ask you some. Uh, Darrington, are there any pro running backs that you've been watching to kind of build your game around, or are you just kind of doing your own thing? I would say definitely more recently, um, within the past four years, uh, Raheem Mostert. Um, you know, he's from my hometown. He's kind of like a big brother to me. Um, you know, really watching him come from Pop Warner to high school to college, um, switching between running back and receiver going back and forth with that and then, you know, getting to the NFL was definitely, you know, something good to see and gave me a lot of motivation with my process. But uh, guys outside of him, I would say definitely McCaffrey with him going over a thousand yards receiving and a thousand yards rushing that, that stood out to me. 
Like that's that's something I, I see myself trying to do one day. Um, Kamara, um, Aaron Jones, guys like that. Now you mentioned you know catching the ball, how important that is, whether it's Raheem or, or McCaffrey, uh, Kamara. Is that something teams have talked to you about? Because you're not the biggest guy. I think if there's a knock on your game, it's that you're you're not. That you know you're not 225. You're a little bit over 200 pounds. Uh, is that something you've ever thought about? Maybe playing more slot receiver or just kind of being an offensive weapon that can do a little bit of everything. Yeah, I would say really just the offensive weapon type thing. That's kind of what I've been doing at that. You know, I came in the app, um, signed as an athlete, receiver and a running back. I was in both meeting rooms my whole career. I practiced at both positions my whole career. But you know, people look at the stat sheet on paper and they see on my redshirt sophomore year I had basically 1200 yards but what they don't know is i didn't start until halfway through the season on um, once Jalen moore went down he's now with the jets and then i played my true freshman year but even Jalen moore wasn't starting my true freshman year he was behind marcus cox was all-time leading rusher so you know my career stats are a little bit skewed towards you know you know people would say oh he didn't do much his freshman year or his redshirt sophomore year and then they like oh he had one year but they don't understand the situation of you know what I was doing. I was playing receiver and running back just to get on the field. Um, that was that's something that Coach Sad always wanted. Um, I knew that coming out of high school. He was like, you know, we got guys, but you know, we want you. We want to bring you in. And we want to get you on the field as quick as possible. So, you know, coming in playing my true freshman year was something I took pride in. Um, you know, I did kickoff return. I actually got a kickoff return record at that right now. Um, you know, just little things like that. Yeah, I'm looking at your production right now as you bring it up. You you had a really good year your sophomore year, your junior year too, uh, with 18 rushing touchdowns, 23 total. I, I know you didn't get on the field as a running back, but damn, look at these kick return numbers. You had a return for a touchdown every year at App State. Yeah, it's wild because really um, my true freshman year, you know, I got a little bit of kicks and then people stopped kicking it to me. <laughs> and then coming back, Penn State was the first team to kick it to me. And that was game one of the season. I took that 100 yards to the touchdown after that. No one really wanted to kick it to me. <laughs> this past season, I would say it was as worse as it gets. I didn't get no kicks. Um, and then the one kickoff return I had was on an onside kick because no one really kicked it deep. They'd always either kick it to the off returner or try and kick it out. Well, the good thing is your quarterback can just turn around and hand you the ball. They can't prevent that happening, I would say so. Yeah, they can't do that. Zach did a great job of that. Yeah, we've seen, you know, you bring up somebody like Raheem, and we've seen him just, we've seen him thrive in a lot of different looks, whether it's outside zone, whether it's gap. Is there a certain scheme that either teams are talking to talking to you about putting you in, or is there a certain scheme that you really like and feel you could thrive in? Yeah, I would say a lot of teams, they're talking about, um, you know, getting inside that zone scheme, similar yep. to what the 49ers do. Um, you know, it's kind of something that most teams are slowly turning mm-hmm. into getting to. And then luckily for me, that's something I've ran my four years of that. We ran inside zone, we ran outside zone, we ran it to perfection. So, you know, it's something I'm used to, uh, something I've been running, so I know how to run it. You know, it's just learning the terminology of what, you know, wherever I land, whatever they do, and then just picking it up and running with it. Now, I, I pulled up my notes while we're sitting here to talk to you. One of my favorite things is that you were actually more productive between the tackles than you were outside. And I think a lot of people see like, oh, here's this, you know, scat back who's 200 pounds. He can't run between the tackles. But you were most productive running between the guards, which is surprising to me. What is that just vision? Is that instincts? Is that your speed? What makes you a good runner between the guards? Because it's pretty uncommon for a smaller guy. I would say it's a little bit of everything. Um, you know, coming off of my uh, sophomore year, uh, talking to Jalen Moore, you know, he was he was already with the Jets and stuff, and he was like, you know, one area I want to see you improve on this year is running between the tackles because a lot of teams viewing you as, you know, just a home run guy. You know, give him the ball, he might take it 70, 80 yards, but they don't see as if you can do more than that when you can. He's like, I know you. This is the year that I want you to put it to play. You know what I'm saying? The offseason work hard on that. So, you know, going into this past season, that's that's one thing I focus on, just running between the tackles, showing people I can run between the tackles, get 20-plus touches a game if I need to, um, you know, just doing doing everything. But I would say it's it's a little bit of a mix of using my speed, my vision for sure, and then my looseness. You know, I can, I'm the type of back to where I can slow play it to a whole kind of tempo it, and then as soon as I get there, hit it 100 miles per hour. Or I can get through 100 miles per hour, see a safety coming down, you know, either outrun him and, you know, create a bad angle for him or stop on a dime and make a good cut and then keep getting north. Just little things like that. 
um, just kind of gauging my speed, similar to like a, a pitcher does with like a fastball and a changeup. I, I definitely see that when I watch your game. Is there any team that you, I know you'll be happy, any 32 of the teams take you, but is there any team or region that you're really wanting to get to uh, that you feel like fits you best? Uh, I wouldn't say it's any team I'm particularly wanting to get to, but I know, you know, the, the way the 49ers run their offense with the outside and inside zone scheme, just any team that runs a zone scheme, that's something I feel I can definitely showcase my talents in for sure. Um, but any, really any offense that tries to get their playmakers the ball in space, that's, that's just something I thrive on. The last one for me, because I always wonder how, you know, we've talked to a lot of players from quote unquote smaller schools. I always like to ask them their road to that school as they're going to be talked about as a top 75 pick, top 50 pick. What was your road like to App State? How did you end up going there? So really coming out of high school, you know, I was the lowest rated recruit um, to sign it up in my signing class. A lot of people don't know that. Um, and my top two schools I was choosing from was, well, top three. I gave my top three was South Florida, App State, and then Bowling Green. And, um, you know, I was really high on Bowling Green at one point. Then Coach Babers ended up going to Syracuse. So it kind of turned into, all right, I low-key want to go to Syracuse. But the thing is, you know, with with one of our coaches, um, Coach Stu Holt, um, he recruited my area in Volusia County. He was at South Florida and offered me my junior year. Um, and App State already offered me my junior year. So really, I was talking to them a lot. Coach Stu Holt ended up going to App State my senior year, where it was kind of like a double positive, you know. And then um, I was just committed to App. Um, ended up being... The last two weeks of um, official visits, I was going to go to App State and then try and make one up to Syracuse on the last weekend. The week I was supposed to go to App State, it just happened to be a snowstorm to where, you know, I couldn't go that weekend and we had to push it back one week. So I ended up not even taking my official to Syracuse. And then from there, you know, it was all she wrote. Everything worked out perfectly. I'm a four-time Sunbelt champion, four-time conference, um, well, two-time conference uh, game MVP, four-time bowl game champion stuff like that so you know it worked out in my favor i'm blessed and i appreciate you know coach sat and crew taking chance on me oh man we appreciate your time good luck with this process two weeks to go before the draft kicks off so try to enjoy it and we'll be rooting for you again like i said a niners fan here so hopefully you and moster to be sharing a a, a backfield very very soon dude we appreciate it good luck (laughs) all right thank you thank you darrington appreciate it All right, that is our show. Thank you to Darrington Evans. Thank you to Jordan Love. Thank you to my wonderful co-hosts, Mello and Connor. And don't forget, follow us on Twitter at StickToFootball. Also, download that Bleacher Report app and get ready because STF Live is coming to you very, very soon. And you need to be our app to watch it. We'll talk to you guys real soon.